Uh, thank you for leading us in the worship, and thanks for leading that hymn. It's a beautiful hymn. I'm glad that we're singing that one this morning. Uh, good morning. It's good to be with you. And uh, yesterday, uh, if you were here at the Community Care Day, thank you. Thank you for your time and your efforts. It's a great day for our church as we get together and serve and get to do some things for our community and with each other. Uh, every year when I'm at Community Care Day, I am a little bit in awe of the way the leadership of that event handles all of the chaos with so much self-control and self-awareness and with this great calm. I have this picture that's ingrained in my mind. It'll be there, I hope, as long as I live and anything I uh, try to lead. This is going to be one of those things that for me is a leadership lesson of Jim Stevens just standing there so calm with all of these hundreds of volunteers milling around, people speaking different languages, children crying. There's a Santa Claus there. There's all these things going on, and there's Jim, picture of calm. Same with Dana and Marilyn and Jamie and all the others who lead us in that great event. Uh, it is difficult to uh, maintain that kind of self-control and awareness with all that pressure and stress going on. I know it. You know it. All of you have been in some spot like that, uh, and that's pretty amazing. So we're grateful for everything that God has done through that day and through their leadership. And today, as we get into the next part of our Kingdom Come series on the prayer that Jesus taught us, this model prayer for disciples, we are going to talk about, as Dell already mentioned, forgive us as we forgive. And I think this, uh, as we read this together again in a moment, I think this idea that there, uh, there is uh, a gift that God can give, where in the middle of all this chaos and all these things going on, we can still have peace, we can still be in control with God's help, uh, really relates in a great way to this verse. So why don't we read the prayer and then we'll talk a little bit about what this has to do with our Christian living. Uh, I'll ask you to read it out loud with me. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You see, an interesting thing about this prayer that Jesus teaches us, an interesting thing about the line, verse 12, that says, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. This is the only verse in the prayer that Jesus expands on and gives more teaching about right after the prayer. This is the only verse, the only line of the prayer that Jesus explains after the prayer. All of these other great parts of the prayer Jesus doesn't feel the need to elaborate on. He talks about some difficult things about depending on God for our daily needs. He doesn't have anything else to say about that. He'll talk about, God, don't lead us into temptation, protect us from evil. Nothing else needs to be said to elaborate on that. He had all these spiritual things that he had mentioned. God is our Father in heaven. Uh, we praise his name. We keep his name holy. Well, our prayer, like the core of our life, is that we want for God's will to be done in our lives and on this earth just like it is done in heaven so that his kingdom is coming into the world. All of these great things Jesus said and he doesn't feel the need to say another word about any of them except this one. When he gets to uh, forgive us as we forgive. Uh, forgive us in the same manner as we forgive. Uh, forgive us, Father, while we're learning to release and let go of the things that we would like to hold on to that others have, have done uh, against us. 
he gives this additional teaching, this statement. He says, and it's two verses long. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I think that Jesus knows, because he's our creator, because he's our God, I think he knows innately that there is something about people, about you and about I, that we've got a massive control problem, that we really have trouble releasing and letting go of things. And it's uh, impressive when somebody can stand in an environment like the leaders of Community Care Day and let all of that stuff go on around them and all that chaos and have confidence in the people and trust them. But how much harder is it to let go of control when it's not just chaos in your life, but when somebody has actually done something to you, when they've done something actively to you. How many of us have lived our whole life to whatever point you're at right now and never had somebody do something to you that you, you could look at it and say, this would not be part of my life if they hadn't made the choice to do it. Uh, somebody fired you and let you go from a job that was unreasonable and you should have been allowed to still have that job uh, and it's hard to let go of it. Somebody left you, maybe somebody divorced you or maybe there was a divorce somewhere in your family, parents or grandparents or a favorite uncle or aunt and they left and they left you hurt and they didn't seem to care about that they made this choice and you've got no control over it and so what do people want to do when other people hurt them is our response this part from our flesh this part from our fallen nature is that we want to grab on to something that we can control and often what we do is we hold on to the debt and it doesn't matter whether the thing somebody took from you was a physical thing. They may have actually stolen from you, uh, taken something from your home or your car. Or if it was an, a relationship thing they did, because even then we feel like they took something emotionally from us. And we may live in our life day in and day out, worshiping the name of our Father. Holy is your name and honoring God in heaven and all this. But yet secretly we're holding on to this thing that someone else owes us and we don't want to relinquish it. I'm well aware that there's times in my life where I have control problems. There are things that I would like to go certain ways and they don't always happen that way. I was reminded this week about a time about, uh, it's in 2013, it was near the end of April or early in May. I remember it very clearly because only about two weeks after this event, I was going to marry sweet Jenna Bundy. And we were getting ready for our wedding, and so it was a busy season. It was full of all kinds of planning, sending out the cards. You know how much, like, mailing there is to do? And you know how few people that you love addresses you actually have? Yeah, figuring out all of that stuff. And so it had been a busy time, and I was new to this young adults ministry here at the church. And I wanted to do something fun, <clears throat> something memorable, and something that everybody would really just get a kick out of for the young adults. And so... And planned this float trip. And we went on a retreat together. We all went on this spiritual retreat. So we did the retreat first. We finished up Sunday morning. We cleaned the campground. We took communion. So we did all the things that we were supposed to do. And then we went down to the Buffalo River. And there we had ready a canoe company. And all of these canoes laid out, two men per canoe or two people per canoe. And we had all of these couples and friends and different people that were going to go canoeing. An instant disaster. 
right? Instant disaster. Uh, I'm telling you guys, uh, it was a good day to float. The weather was right. And so there was just, you know, gobs of people at the river. And this is the first thing that went wrong is the canoe companies were like waiting on our group because we had the largest group and all of the other people now are spectators. They're not allowed to get in the river until our group is in the river because our group's the big group. They want to get us out of the way, you know, not have a traffic jam in the middle of the river. So everybody's waiting and everybody's watching these expert Bentonville Church of Christ boatsmen as we get in the water. First boat goes in the water immediately turns over, gear floating downstream. One man lost a flip-flop. We never found it the rest of the float trip. Within minutes, he was wearing another flip-flop that he had found. We lost that too by the time we were done with the float trip that day. We go around one corner, and then there's another big dangerous corner. Okay, not dangerous. I mean, it's the Buffalo River. Not dangerous, but dangerous to us, right? Because this is the day I learned that I'm terrible at boats, okay? I might be okay with a boat. I might be able to control a boat, but you got a fleet of boats. You got a whole, you know, a whole uh, flotilla of boats. Not a good thing. And so we go around the second corner and uh, women in the water, you know, just in the water, soaking wet, clothes are wet. Uh, We have to have an expedition where some of them go back into the woods to go change and put on additional clothes, go around another corner, wet again, right? Just in the water. We hit a waterfall, where almost every boat turned over at once. You've got women on the edge of panic. There's screaming coming from all over, right? It sounds like people are dying. There are men who are crying, sitting in the middle of the river. You've got one guy who decides to be a hero. He rips his shirt off Baywatch style and starts running up the river to save people and gear. You've got a large man taking children, boats, and other small objects and throwing them onto the bank of the river left and right. Thank you, Charles, for doing that for us. And in the meantime... Uh, You've got me sitting there thinking like, this is way beyond, this is not what I imagined for today. We're like a quarter mile into the trip, y'all. A quarter mile of a 10-mile float. And I've got a child of a member asking, when can we go home? And I'm thinking, they're never going to forgive me for this. Why did I feel that way? Because I would probably be the guy who would look at that kind of organization and say, that was irresponsible. I would probably be the guy who would hold something against them. And so what a relief to me when we're sitting down over a bunch of large pizzas in a small town in North Arkansas a few hours later, eating all of this hot pizza, and the laughter begins. And people begin to retell the stories. You know, there was non-church people that were sitting on the little beach of the river just drinking and watching us. And they were just laughing and just having the best show of their life. And they thought that we were drunk at 10 in the morning because of how bad we were at canoeing. This is a picture of that day. Yeah, it was bad. Okay, so this... When you receive grace from people and you understand how ill-equipped you are at life and then they forgive you, uh, it makes words like this from Jesus seem really important because Jesus understands how much this releasing and letting go of things, how hard this is for us, even sometimes to forgive ourselves, but especially when we think somebody's done us wrong. So later in Matthew, in chapter 18, Jesus gave this saying. He said, truly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You see, Jesus understands that his followers on earth have some kind of responsibility. 
where, where the believer can choose. See, they can choose to tie something up, to bind it up, and I'm not even saying physically, but emotionally, to just wrap it up into bondage, and to make something uh, such a debt that they won't let go of that it actually affects the heavenly realms. It actually, I'm not saying it affects anybody's eternal destiny or like you can choose to not let them go into heaven, not that kind of deal, but it can affect spiritual outcomes. You can have a relationship that God is maybe already forgiven in heaven, and yet on earth it is still in bondage because somebody on earth has chosen to keep it in bondage, and it affects the church. It affects the spiritual relationships of those people. You see, the kingdom, according to Jesus and some of the, some of the disciples that were with him as they were learning this from Jesus, the kingdom that Jesus was telling us to pray for comes into this world through us when we forgive on earth. Okay, when we release forgiveness and we choose to forgive, the kingdom comes through us. But think about what that means. When we don't forgive, we're actually holding the kingdom at bay. See, when God has already forgiven something in heaven, and he, maybe, maybe somebody else is already a Christian, and they live standing in the grace of Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 5. They walk daily in the light of Jesus, and his blood continually cleanses them from all sin, according to 1 John. Right? And so this is their reality in heaven, but I might be the agent on earth who is meant to release that forgiveness to them and allow them to experience it now. And I'm the one with my arms crossed and the vault locked and the key swallowed saying, I will block God's grace from coming into your life if I don't choose to forgive the kinds of things that God would also forgive. And especially this is important for the church because there may be people who aren't in Christ that we have trouble forgiving, but isn't it true that most of the grudges that wreck families in the church, most of the grudges that wreck whole churches, most of the things that we hold on to for a whole day that we should have released in the first minute most of the things that we hold on to for a whole week that we should have released in the first day or that we hold on to for years that should have been released within a month or, or the first conversation, those kinds of things so often happen between believers, between Christians who refuse to let it go. How do we know that Jesus talking about loosing, loosening on earth and binding on earth has anything to do with forgiveness? Well, it's pretty simple. When Jesus said to his disciples, what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, Peter walked up to Jesus and asked this question. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? You see, there's only four places in the book of Matthew that talk at any length where there's a teaching about forgiveness. There's four teachings in Matthew about forgiveness. The first one is the prayer that we're reading together. Forgive others, you know, be forgiven by God as we forgive others. The second one is when Jesus forgives the sins of a paralytic to show that he has authority on earth to forgive sins. The third one is an oblique passage about how uh, blasphemy against God will be forgiven. Everything can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's the third teaching on forgiveness in Matthew. And the fourth one is Matthew 18. After Peter asks this question, Jesus says, what you bind and loose, that matches the heavenly realms. Peter asks, uh-oh, 
So how many times then do I have to release? How many times do I have to loosen that knot and let somebody go and, and forgive? And Jesus goes into a story in which he talks about a king who was owed a debt by a servant. The debt would have been somewhere around two centuries of annual salary. And he forgives the man the debt because the king lives in an economy of grace. He says, you owe, but I'll pay. And then he lets that man go, and the man goes out to a man who owes him about six-month wages, and he says to him, you owe and you pay. And he won't forgive the debt. And Jesus ties that story through Peter's question back to what we loose on earth and what we bind on earth. See, our choices have real spiritual consequences. In just a minute, uh, Derek Harris is going to join me up here, and we're going to chat for a little bit about forgiveness. So Derek, if you want to work your way on up here, go ahead. And uh, guys on the sound, uh, he'll be on the red mic here. And while Derek's on his way up, I'm just going to share a couple other scriptures that, that I prepared that uh, teach on this principle. And uh, Paul <clears throat> writes to two different churches, to Ephesus and to Colossae, because he was reflecting on Jesus' teaching. He says to the Ephesians, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as, Christ, uh, as God in Christ forgave you. Okay, so first of all, you know, Paul sees that our power or ability to do this forgiveness comes from God in Christ. He wrote to the Colossians, uh, also bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You see, Peter and, and, and the other disciples and later Paul, they got this from Jesus. The last one, and this is, one of my favorites from Jesus' brother, and uh, Dell mentioned this during communion, but James 2. And I don't think you finished the verse. You started the verse, right? So I'll finish it. And uh, here we go, James 2.13. Judgment is without mercy to one who's shown no mercy. And I love this line. I think this line is the gospel encapsulated in four words. There's a lot of verses like this, but this is a great one. Mercy triumphs over judgment, right, Derek? Mercy is the the place where God gets victory over all the things we've held against people. So, welcome, Derek. Glad you're here this morning. Thank you. Okay, um, let me uh, just put a picture here so everybody can kind of know these are your boys, right? So these are your two boys, and there's you. And uh, Derek's been a member here at the church for quite a long time. His family's been uh, members here for a long time. They all got to be with us in first service, which was special. Uh, and Derek has shared in the past some of his story of his life and his story of recovery. But not everybody here has heard all of that. And before we get to the forgiveness part, why don't you just give us a 30-second recap of your story? Yeah, when Josh first said 30 seconds, I kind of chuckled. There's, <laughs> there's no way I can tell you all my story in 30 seconds. Yeah. But um, So basically what I was going to say is I was a mess and now I'm blessed. But on a serious note, um, I, uh, I'd, hit a, I'd hit rock bottom. And it took this guy hitting rock bottom before I before I was able to find out that Jesus was the rock at my bottom. And, uh, you know, it's only, uh, it's only by the grace of God and by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and by the love of family and my support network, um, which my sponsor's here this morning, which is a blessing, um, that, that I do have a sobriety date of June 24th to 2013 and that I'm alive today 
and able to share to you guys a little bit about my forgiveness or my experience with forgiveness. Amen. Thanks, Derek. Uh, so let's jump in to talking about forgiveness. I loved some of the things you shared with me when we got together. Uh, one of those was you talked some about forgiving yourself. So that being the first step, receiving God's forgiveness. What did it look like as you learned to forgive yourself? Yeah, that's a that was a tough one, and uh, I used that for a long time as a as a clutch that uh you know that I couldn't forgive myself, and that was just an excuse. Uh, so what what had to happen was uh, I was able to trust and accept that God had completely forgiven me and my identity is a new creation in Christ. Amen. And, you know, there was, a, there was some guilt and shame that I thought I would never, ever be able to overcome just because of the people I'd hurt and the things I'd done. And, you know, I, was, I was just had a lot of guilt and shame. And, and I, I, you know, I, I know today that I'm forgiven for that. Now, I'm far, I'm far from perfect. Um, I'm far from perfect at this step. But there is one who is perfect, and it tells us in uh, John 3.16 who that is. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Amen. Good. Uh, yeah, I love, I love that uh, idea that we're in Christ, and he's given us this new identity. Um, you talked some about forgiving others and learning because of your relationship with Christ that that was like the fuel for you to forgive others. Uh, how, how did this relationship or this identity in Christ contribute to you learning then to forgive? Just like the whole process of recovery, the, the forgiving process like none other, especially forgiving others, has been a work in progress. But, um, but through making amends and uh, righting my wrongs and getting to see where Derek was wrong and what part Derek played in it when it came to the resentments I held against police officers, against debt collectors, against the job that fired me because I failed a drug test, um, against the ex-wife, against even my own family members. You know, whenever I was able to, uh, to uh, make those amends and right those wrongs, the resentment started to go away. Now, this was the key, though, and this is the, this is the big part of it for me, was when I actually learned that... Uh, that if I took the time and the effort to pray for others, others including my enemies and those who wronged me, wonders started happening in my life. And that's whenever I started to get to see the Holy Spirit working in my life. And uh, it's not through me because I don't have that power at all. But uh, Philippians 4.13 tells me who, who does have that power. Yeah. And it says, uh, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And you said that's like your life verse. Right? That's, that's uh, just verse. so you get to know me a little bit. That mm -hmm. is my my favorite verse, and that verse definitely gets used when you get to hear the long version of my story. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, just one more question, and this is kind of the most personal one, but you were um, so good to share this with me when we met and talked, and say that you'd talk about it today. Uh, who was the hardest person for you to forgive? You know, we heard you mention some police officers, debt collectors, bosses, and some of those things people did to you, and some of those were responses for actions in your life, and it's still hard to release and forgive, but you talked about one above all. It was hard to make the choice to forgive. Will you tell us a little about it? Yeah, it's a little bit easier in second service to say this because my sons aren't sitting right on the other yeah, corner, but um, sure. um, it was definitely the hardest person for me to forgive, and I would love to sit here this morning and and I truly believe in my heart that I have offered this person forgiveness, but I still, I still have a hard time with certain things in this area. But, but my ex-wife was definitely the, definitely the hardest person to, uh, that's, that's been for me to forgive. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I've had, to, I've had to sit down with sponsors, with spiritual advisors, with several other people to find out how I work through this. And what I've learned is uh, I had to learn to pray for her just like any other child of God. And, and that's what I have to do. And that's, that's how I have to treat her. And, uh, and I can tell you today that that was a, it's, it's, on my, it's on my steps list. And that was a resentment that this guy was taking to the grave. I was taking that one to my grave. And you know what? Today, uh, today my own sons can look at any of y'all in these rooms and tell you that they know for a fact that their mom and their dad get along very well. And that's not anything through this guy. And it's a, uh, and what, what, I, what I know today through recovery and a phrase that I uh, passed on to John Dias and used many a times is I know that I can't keep what I don't give away. And it, and it tells me that in a, it basically tells me that same thing in a longer version in the verses that's been read a couple of times this morning in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, when it states, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Derek, I want to say thank you uh, for being real with us and for sharing so transparently. And is there anything else you want to say just before we're done here this morning? No, just like I mentioned in first service, I just, uh, you know, I just thank uh, Bentonville Church of Christ from the bottom of my heart. They've been, uh, they've been there in the good and the bad times, and uh, I'm so thankful for the Recovery for Life program that's uh, that's here at Bentonville and. <laughs> I'm just glad to be a part of this church family. Thank you all. We're glad you are too. So can we all thank Derek for his participation this morning? Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Um, this was a takeaway for me when Derek and I talked in the last few weeks. I'm so glad he shared it today and said something about it. As we wrap up here in the last couple of minutes and think a little bit about what God's asking you to do in the message, what he's asking me to do, and what he's asking you to do. I think it's pretty clear that in a prayer like this that Jesus gives, there's not any one of us that gets to walk out of here today without having to learn something or make a decision in front of God. This isn't the type of thing that just some people do. This is something that all of us struggle with and do all of the time. And maybe Derek is um, willing to be the one who says it, right? Uh, but let me join with him and say, this isn't an easy thing to learn. For a Christian who's brand new or for somebody who's been maturing for years, forgiving and releasing others on earth when we feel like they owe us something is incredibly difficult. And Derek said it so well when he said that forgiveness comes when we see this other person as a child of God. Because this is where we get the chance to step out of our normal way of looking at things, out of what all the permissions that the world gives us, and the world says it's okay for you to hold the grudge, it's okay because you deserve it, it's okay because you owe to be repaid, and God says, would you take a look at this from my vantage point and see that that's a person that I made and somebody who I love who I also want to call into the kingdom, and I need you to be the one who takes the brave step and release the bondage that's on them, release the bondage of forgiveness that they haven't been able to experience and allow yourself to be this channel where forgiveness can come to somebody through you. Would you look at them with my eyes? And this is a kind of prayer that I would hope as I grow up in Jesus that I would be able to pray when I find myself having trouble releasing somebody else 
and forgiving them. And maybe this is the kind of prayer that our whole church could learn to sort of pray in our private places and on our own as we learn to join God in looking at other people from his vantage point. Lord, reign in my life. God, I want the kingdom to come into my life. I want you to rule in my life. I want you to be the leader in my life. I want you to be in charge of all this. No more co-pilot stuff, but you're driving. I want you, God, to reign in my life in such a way that I can forgive. And then I would hope in my best moments when the Spirit's working inside of me that I would be able to say in front of God, in private where it wouldn't hurt them or anything, the name of the person that I'm having trouble releasing. Whether it is their fault or mine. It doesn't matter why I've got them in spiritual bondage, but I would like to think that with God's help I could say their name, Lord, rule in my life in such a way that I can forgive this person who's your child and so agree with how you see them and I would say their name again with that person the way that you see and the heart of this idea or this prayer is that God has already made a choice about how he sees the person especially if they're already in Christ and I if I want the reign of God in my life need to choose to agree with God's way of seeing the situation instead of forcing him to try to see it my way. This is how I welcome his rule into the most difficult places of my own life. And we can do this together as a church if we stay in step with the Spirit and trust him with the things that are hardest for us to release. And so, whether you want to pray with some of our shepherds, which you can do in the back, respond privately in your heart in prayer with your family to God, or even come up here and talk to one of the ministers or a shepherd after church, we would love to pray with you and walk with you through something that's so real that all of us, no matter how old or how mature or, or the lack of it, all of us struggle with. So let's stand together and sing this song of invitations. Over all the earth, you 